Dan had mentioned already, this is a nice morning for us, a neat time in our calendar. Uh, Redeemer's life of welcoming new members into our fellowship here. And as I was thinking about an opportunity that I've been given to preach this morning in welcoming members into the congregation here in the Fellowship of Redeemer, how about it? As I was thinking, how, how would I encourage them, exhort them, the body that is being gathered here, and also those that are uh, going to be joining with us? As I was meditating on how we would develop our time together this morning, it seemed quite natural to me as it came was, let's take this occasion and let's explore uh, the question of how is a church built? Because what we're witnessing this morning in our midst is joy for us, excitement, to see indeed that a church is being built. It's being built uh, in different ways. Spiritually, it's continually being built. Growing together in community for many of us who have already been here for a portion of time, and it's being built also numerically as others are joining our fellowship. So, as we welcome others into our fellowship, it is quite natural to ask the question, pause the hesitation, ask, how is a community, church community, built? There are several different answers to this, as you probably get listing them. Why not? Or if you're going this way or this way, there are many ways in which we can speak to. How a church community is built. And I want to focus on two elements that converge to speak specifically from the biblical text on how a church community is built. Again, why? This is what we're witnessing. This is what we are a part of the church community being built. Consider these elements that I want to focus on this morning with me. By turning to Matthew, you're perhaps you're there at church reading in Matthew 28. Turn with me back a little ways through the gospel. We're going to put Matthew together with Acts to see these two elements I want to focus on on how a church is built. Turn to Matthew 16. So we can first see these specific elements in the Lord's ministry here in his conversation with Peter. Some of us, I would again invite you to join us this afternoon for our discussion on the sacraments. We're covering baptism. Um, I, I want to just encourage you. This is a significant, significant issue. Baptism. For many of you young families, considering your children, 
When will they be baptized? How will we baptize them? What is this church's position on baptism? What do we think about the theology of baptism when we witness a baptismal service here at Redeemer? This is significant for you. I would encourage you to consider spending some time with us this afternoon on the issue of baptism. Look with me in the Lord's conversation here as we have introduced this in our discussion of baptism a little bit, but we'll push past that here of our time this morning. Here in Matthew's Gospel, as you look at Matthew 16, this is kind of, as a reader, I will point out to you, this is a high point in Matthew's Gospel. So as you're reading the book itself and you're working through there, this is a significant kind of climactic moment for Matthew's Gospel in its composition. How to read the book, this is one of those crescendo moments for you in reading the Gospel account itself. Notice how Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13, exploring together how is a church community built? Beginning in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Sisera at Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, well, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Son of Christian. For flesh and blood has not revealed this but my Father is And I tell you, you are from Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not be open. Did you see the Lord's Word there. We're exploring the question how is a church community built? You see this right here in the text, it's quite obvious how the church will be built. On this rock, I will build my church. What rock is it? You've heard this before. I'm what rock? The confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God. This confession, this reality that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is the confession that builds the church. This is how a church community is built. Making this confession that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that it is the confession, not Peter. Peter is not the rock upon which the church is built. So that we would follow apostle succession, we would watch from from Peter, and then it would transfer to a singular individual, and then to another individual, and another individual, and another individual, and this is the rock that the church is built upon, are these individuals. As we see here, it is not upon Peter that the church will be built. Peter and he will be part of the building of the church. He shares this confession. And he will proclaim it, and he will teach it, and he will preach it, and he will encourage it, in this confession. It is the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This confession is how the church is He is the foundation of our in the New Testament church, as Peter mentioned in his prayer, spread abroad the globe. This is our common confession. This is how we together are being built to a living house, living stones, upon the foundation of the 
Gentiles, all fortified to the same sense. We want to think of Peter as the rock upon which Christ will build the church, but the confession of himself how he will build the church. He says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, Paul says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. We think, how is a church built? It is upon the foundation of Christ. The confession that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you're with me and I sense from each one of you that it's of no great revelatory surprise to that that is how the church is being built. The question is, though, how? By what means is the church to hear this confession? How? By what means? If we say, this is how the Lord will build a church, he will do so by the confession, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the confession that we share. How will the church be built by that confession? How so? What are the means? They will share in that confession. Notice the word of Christ again in Matthew's gospel. This is how the church will be built. Turn to Matthew 28. The text is read for you. Matthew 28. This is how this confession will build the church. We know that it is the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is how the Lord is building church, but how is this confession demanded to build the church? Part of which we are witnessing here in the East End. What do you How will this confession build the church? How will it advance? Matthew 28, the text already read through, yet I will read it again to in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded and the old. I am with you always to the end. So how will this confession that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, how will this confession build the church? Do you see that there in the text? By teaching them. That's how. By teaching them. Do you see that? Matthew 28. How is this confession building the church? By the church teaching this confession. Teaching the commandments of the Lord. This is how the church is built. By this confession, being advanced, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We were built by that confession, and the church continues in that confession to see the church continue to be built. Teaching that confession, advancing it. Christ is building the church through the church. I mean it. And you're a part of it. The church. 
It is significant that we must know this. This text is clear. We won't find any contradictory evidence in That it is Christ who builds the church. Not the church who builds the church. It is Christ through the church who builds his own church. That's significant. Lest we get losing our direction. I mean, we right here at the East End need to build the church. We need to do it. We will by our own strategies and strength. We will build the church. It is Christ who purchased her. It is Christ who owns her. And it is her Lord who will build her. Through the church. But it's not us who build the church. See that so See, when we come to this text, let's say for Redeemer here as a, as a ministry, we sit, and each one of us right now, I say, okay, take out your pen and paper. Let's draft a mission statement together, right now. Now sit, and think, talk. How should you describe the mission of Redeemer for your church? How should we, how should we, so we come back to the text and say, okay, how should we describe the mission statement? And we labor and we labor and we labor. We need not labor any longer. It is here in the scribe. Here's the mission of the church. Right? So we don't need to labor so hard on how should we be the church? How? How can we be the church for the East End? How can we be salt and light together as a community? The church. How? We all sit there like, hmm. How is a church built? 
It is by confession of Jesus and Christ, the Son of the living God. How is that confession built in the church? Through us, the church, regularly proclaiming, teaching, observing it. This is how a church is being built here in England. This is how churches are being built all around the world by our Christ. This gives us two elements for ministry. If you look more narrowly at verse 19, two elements that are very specific to the work of how the church is built through this confession. Look at verse 19. Once again, go there. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit. Verse 20. Teach them to observe all that I command. These two specific elements that build this church, you know them. They're called ordinary <laughs> this pastor recently published a book 
And in the book, here, here, here's a, an excerpt from this. Again, I, I, I think this church, this church here, it can't be built by human invention. It has to be built by Christ's institutions. This is how it is built. His institutions work this This is what you do. You go, my glory, I do it. Don't swim. Must practice it. He writes this people, and he, he writes to me. Yet I imagine he speaks of me in a very unfair way. People are far more interested in what works than what's true. I hate the first of all, but virtually nobody in your church is out of truth. Including your spouse. They are, quite honestly, unhappiness classes. As long as you are dishing out truth with the quote, now here's the difference it will make, tacked on to the end, you will be perceived as absolutely irrelevant by most of the people in your church, the student ministry, and the whole Bible study. You may be spot on theologically, just like the teachers of the law and Jesus. But you will not be perceived by anyone as one who teaches with authority. Worse, nobody is going to want to listen to you. Now, that may be discouraging to you, especially the fact that you are one of the few who is actually on a quest for truth. And yes, it is unfortunate that people are more like you in that regard. But that's just the way it is. It's pointless to resist. If you try, you will end up with a little congregation of truth seekers who consider themselves superior to all the other Christians in the community. But at the end of the day, you won't make one iota of difference in this world. And your kids, more than likely your kids, are going to confuse your church with the church. And once they are out of your home, they will never come to Then one day they'll show up in a church like mine. And want to be baptized again because they won't be sure that the first one actually will. And I'll be happy with pastor your kids. But I would rather be faced with the reality of the world we live in and adjust your sales. Culture is like the wind. You can't stop it. You shouldn't spit into it. But if like a good sailor, you will adjust your sails. You can harness the wings of culture. Take your audience. Where they can be and people are more interested in being happy than playful. Jesus said. So it is, I say for you, slow pitch talk about your behavior. These are not intentions of culture. We're not. Throughout the New Testament church was one of work, sacrament, and prayer. 
which in these institutions of Christ, who is Lord of the church, is building her and sustaining her, is communicating the benefits of to us through these means that are ordinary to be. By farmer, they're Turn to Acts 2.42 so you can see this again. This is where Christ says, Peter, you will do this, right? And there's some sense in which Peter is a part of the process by which the Lord will build his church. Upon you, Peter! That is, upon your confession, Peter, and you will be a part of confessing that confession as I build my church. Through there in Acts chapter 2, I want to see how this took shape in the life of Peter, and it continues to take shape in the church, both here in the East and in the Redeemer, as a communion of the saints, but also throughout the world. The ordinary Beginning in verse uh, 34 there, let's jump right into his preaching there. Verse 34, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both, there's this confession, that he made Christ, by which Christ built the church. Let you know for certain, God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Look, look, did you see that? Do you see the word here? He has made the confession. How is the church community being built? Through this confession, he is Christ and Lord. Now, watch the Lord work through the preaching of his word. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone in the Lord, our God calls to himself. Do you see how it's working here? You're, you're witnessing a church being built through word and sacraments. Verse 40, and with many other, uh, many other words you were witness, and continued to exhort them. This is teach them all that I commanded you. This is Peter doing it. He preached, repent, Jesus is the Christ, be baptized. And he continued to teach them many more words and many more commandments. All that God had taught him. So he began to witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who received the word, ordinary means, and were baptized, ordinary means. There were added that day 3,000 souls. Look at how it continued in the life of the church that had been built in verse 43. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And the prayers. See, there is the church being built through Christ's institutions, not human dimensions. Peter opened the word 
Christ is alive. Listen, what should we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. See, the world's twofold. These ordinary words that work to people. One, Those formulas, which we get a whole bunch of free, the choice of 
part of the beautiful part of it as well. What is the dynamic here for the country? What does this mean for you? The same thing. You must be a people, Christian, committed and thoughtfully considering the word war. When it's preached, you do realize I cannot enter into your brain, dust off your cobwebs for you, insert word and plant there, and somehow you grow. You, you are in charge of it. Not me. You are in charge of coming and thoughtfully listening. Actively engaging the word of the Lord. That's your job. There is some, indeed, some lifting on your heart today. Though you can see. You must thoughtfully hear. And also, as we come together, then, the second ordinary means of word and sacrament, we must be a congregation that observes regularly the sacraments. We must, we, we can't just casually interact with the Lord at His table. We cannot do so. And we can get so casual as interacting with the Lord through His table that we just do it every once in a while, whenever we feel occasion fit, every six or seven months or so. We must be a congregation. That thoughtfully and intentionally observe regularly sacraments. What does that mean for you and for me? I'll be here on Sunday to you. Guarantee my attendance. What city? Ordinary meetings. We're all closer. Some point that comes from your attendance, being there to observe them. This is how the church is built in the moment. This is how it's sustained moment by moment. That's very non sexy language. It conveys much more about, oh, this is kind of lame. And it's sort of a way I can spin it. Give myself some sort of sweet credit. This is a part of our church. And how the church and this church, of which we belong. We are students of the of this word and sacrament. Both the part of this. It is my conviction, certainly from this text, that I hope effectively communicated. It is the conviction of the elders here in the room that this is how the world will this church. And in so doing, they have a covenant for a community here. One that is a little bit more driven along these lines than telling you, you know, how long your service will be here, or what will you do your life for the day, or why you want to check your DVDs every couple of months. Something a little bit more biblical, a little bit more theological. This very point simply, there's, there's no way to spice it up. It is spice. By Christ Christ's But I would like to read for you our covenant for community. And it has a twofold effect, I hope, is what I'm intending. Those of you who have already confessed this covenant with your brothers and sisters in this congregation, 
it's a good time to consider your own fidelity. So, I will do this. All we've heard here today, we will perform and do. And then, have no sense of our intention by grace and do it. A good point, a covenant by knowing the rules of the book for a portion of time. And also, certainly, as I read this, that for you who are joining with us this morning, it'd be a time for your own hearts to examine. Is this biblical? And will I confess it to my brothers and sisters here at the Redeemer? And so, by grace, by my energy, commitment, sacrifice, and performance. So, upon these biblical truths, we advance our sense of these biblical truths, word and sacraments in this community, by these five things according Number one, how does word and sacrament affect our community? These biblical truths. Number one, as those who share in Christ through his word and sacrament. There. As those who share in Christ's word and sacrament, we share in love. Right? No sin. We share in one another. The covenant reads this way that I'm asking new members to affirm, which we have gone through in our time together in membership course. I'm asking members who have already been here for a portion of time to re-examine their fidelity. Paragraph 1, which you have already said, and which those will seek to say today in heart as they join this congregation, as we believe, having been irresistibly brought by the grace of God to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to submit ourselves wholly unto Him, and having been baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we do now with gratitude by relying upon His immeasurable grace. Lo, I am with you. And in power and presence, reverently and joyfully, enter into covenant fellowship with one another at the Redeemer Community Church of Pittsburgh as one body under Christ is our Secondly, as those who share in one another, we will be diligent to maintain the unity of the Spirit. By now, some of you have been here for a portion of time. Recognize it does take due diligence. This community belongs to one another to work to maintain the spirit of your here in this ministry. The paragraph describing that in the covenant reads as this As is the nature of this covenant, we shall endeavor as God's chosen people, holy and blood, to maintain the unity of the spirit by no other means. That would be our presence of that very same spirit on us, whose continuing presence brings us ever closer to full maturity, ensuring proper worship. This is what we are saying to one another in this time. Third, build up a biblical truth, word, and sound. Our covenant is as follows. Number three, as those who are built to maintain the unity of the spirit, we will express which love. By grace, the paragraph reads this way As is fitting among the people of God, as members of one another in one body, we will express Christian love to one another through praying for one another, building up one another, caring for one another, by How many? How would we like to be seen 
building up one another, caring for one another, pursuing one another's good, bearing with one another in love, carrying one another's burdens, showing kindness and acting with compassion toward one another, forgiving one another, keeping watch over one another in the spirit of humility, stirring up one another unto good deeds, considering one another better than ourselves, devoting to one another in ourselves, to one another in love, and to living in harmony with one another in all things. It will be our pursuit to fulfill the law of Christ by loving one another as Number four, as those who express Christian love to one another, we will pledge our eager participation to the ministries of this congregation. There is no excuse to say, that's not my bag. Oh, yes, it is. It became your bag. Yes, it became. There are certain gifts and strengths. The strengths need the weaknesses, weaknesses need strengths. Gifts need to be expressed within the body. The body is present by all those expressing gifts and receiving those encouraging gifts also. Well, I have no particular interest. You do. You have an interest in that brother. You have an interest in that sister. We will pledge our eager participation to the ministries of this congregation. How so is it written within the government? As regarding the church collectively, we solemnly pledge our regular attendance and earnest participation in all manners of worship and gatherings. The highest act of participation in the act of listening and obeying of the word of the Lord. We will joyfully and reverently participate in the Lord's Supper as commanded by our Savior. We will vigorously protect the church's doctrine and seek to advance this church in holiness, word, and in deed. In all our public and private life, we will consistently and cheerfully give our resources and to us by God for the sustaining of this ministry and the of the we will willingly submit ourselves under their leadership, believing that God has placed them over this body to lead by God's name and Christ's life and example, beginning of their lives under the preaching and the teaching of God's most holy word and those who will surely be in their This is the pledge we will make unto one another. in those categories. Number five, the final element of our covenant comes together with me. As those who are eager to participate in the ministry, we will joyfully give of our resources for the promotion of the gospel. How are we doing? Our sacrifice, our time, our commitment, all of the resources to be our financial our time resources, our gift resources, our work resources. How are we giving up our resources to the strengthening of one another and sustaining this ministry with the gospel of this world? How are we giving that pledge unto one another? So it is that the end of our covenant will be as regarding God's redemptive program of the nations with a spirit of joyful and prayerfully give of the resources entrusted to us by our Lord 
for that many, many different possibilities. By the grace of God, we will make all necessary sacrifices. How are we going to have the covenant of sacrifices? Like, I'll fulfill the covenant if it works out. <laughs> if the activity or the idea of ministry is right up my alley and both my permits right, you can count on me to be there. Other than that, two thumbs down, that's something else. Because I'm not making any sacrifice that pulled this government here that I put here today. Where we eagerly make sacrifices to be a part of this community. Our ways are just fine. By the grace of God, we will make all necessary sacrifices that you are. So we see it's very natural. How about the worth and sacrament described for us and given to us by the Lord? We can see in it, and the church is being built by it. And then as the church is being built by it, the church continues to be built by worth sacrament. They establish it.